expectations, a comparison to 1986, and retiring the number 44. It's all part of a Friday mailbag here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Raina Jay's back with the vengeance at all the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for you, and I'm happy that you've either chosen to listen to the show as a podcast on your headphones, in the background on a tab, watching the YouTube channel, or maybe casting it to your TV. Whatever it is that you're doing, I am very appreciative that you do. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, which is available everywhere books are sold. Signed copies, personalized copies are available on my website, johncorrales.com. For 30 bucks. Uh, today, another mailbag. Going back to the regular Friday mailbag here to uh, continue the offseason. Generally what I do. Uh, a lot of questions came in, so I'm just continuing to split this up. So I'm not going way too long on one podcast. Go to johncorrales.com slash mailbag to submit your questions. I've really been flooded with a lot of questions. So Friday mailbag. I'll go back next week and do a, another mailbag. So basically two mailbags a week right now. To keep answering those questions, you can continue to ask them at johncorrales.com slash mailbag. So why don't we just get into this and start with Hernando. Hernando, now I'll, I'll go through this, but I will ask you all to please limit your questions to one uh, or maybe one in a follow-up maybe, but let's not go too crazy here. So Hernando says, going into the season, what are your predictions for the starting five stat line? Regular season record. Uh, which young guys will step up? Tatum Brown, smart expectations. Basically, everything that I expect from this season. Uh, so Hernando, I'm going to gloss over this real quick. Um, I will look at Tatum and Brown as I'll, I'll combine my stat line with the expectations. And, and simply, my expectations for Tatum and Brown are to continue excelling and maybe take some steps forward from last year. Every year I want to see a player improve, right? Like Tatum hopefully improves his handle a little bit, like I've been saying. Hopefully this added muscle that we're seeing helps him go and and continue through contact as he drives. Basically play mostly like the way we saw him play against Brooklyn in that series. I thought he was awesome in that series. That Tatum would be an MVP candidate for sure. So that's what I hope that he can do. My expectations are that he at least, there's there's no step back from last season. So I, I'm hoping that he averages like 27, 27 points per game, maybe somewhere around eight rebounds, four assists, five assists. Now, if he can bump those up, then big, big year for him. Same thing for Jalen in a lot of ways. 24, 25 points a game. Somewhere in that six, seven rebounds, four or five assists. If they can kind of both linger in there, they'll be a, a great duo. I expect Jalen Brown to show us something new this season because he always shows us something new, which is amazing. Marcus Smart, I've said this a million times on the podcast. 
My expectation for Marcus Smart is that he continues uh, to show me and show, I think prove to the world that he can actually be a pretty good point guard. I think Marcus Smart as a point guard is good. And I know I'm going to get the YouTube comments flooded with people who say, he's not good, he's a six-man. I'm telling you, my expectation for Marcus Smart is he's going to have a good season as the starting point guard, that his three-pointers will shift fewer from above the break, more in the corners. His three-point percentage will inch closer towards acceptable, and he'll get back to playing some of his defense. So that's my expectation for Smart. What, 16 points per game, something like that. Somewhere around eight or nine assists for him this year. I want to see that bumped up. And, you know, four or five rebounds, a block or two, a steal, you know, a couple of steals per game, your typical stuff. Robert Williams, I hope, can, can chip in with 14, 15 points. Maybe average a double-double. That would be great. Maybe chip in three blocks per game. Can he get up to three? That would be huge. But he, he'll, have, he'll have a four or five block game from time to time. And then I think the standard is that we can expect maybe two so he'll probably, with those big performances, get up to like two point something. If you can get it to three, it'd be fantastic. Uh, so a 15 point, 10 rebounds, two point something block. Uh, the key for, for Robert Williams would be the assists. Can he get those assists up to five or six? If, if Robert Williams is averaging five or six assists per game, then Ime Odoka's plan is working. The ball movement, that Spursy ball movement, that's working. That, I think that's the number. If we're looking at one statistic to watch this season, it's whether Robert Williams can average six-plus assists, somewhere in that range. Then, then we'll see things working. Um, and then I don't know who else is the starter. It'd be Josh Richardson, wherever. Uh, regular season record, I think the over-under was somewhere like 46 and a half. I think 46, the reason why they put it at 46 and a half is because 46 is a reasonable number. I think a 46 win season. So what's that? 46 and, and, and 36? I think somewhere in that range. 46, 40, 45, 46, maybe they can bump it up to 47, 48. Uh, 50 in a perfect season. Uh, 40, like 42, 43 in a, in a horrible season. I, I, I think even the worst case scenario, they're a 500 team. So, and then which young guys will step up? Uh, ranking the, the young guys, I think Pritchard's probably going to give you the most production, but I'm looking for more from Neesmith. I think Neesmith's going to have more opportunity than Pritchard. I think Neesmith's going to have the opportunity to get in there as a wing and, and just play more minutes. I, I just think that his, just his size and his defensive at least effort and ability will will push him ahead of Pritchard. Langford, I'm I'm at a prove it prove it to me, Romeo. Uh, in fact, I will go to a, a question that Jacob sent in. If Romeo Langford is not good this season, is it time to consider giving up on him and trading him away? So I, I think that's one of the the possibilities here. And and granted, I'm down on Romeo a little bit because of what I saw in summer league, which was not great. And that's just nudged me. I was cautiously optimistic uh, going into summer league. I thought that he has a real chance to show something and I don't want to lose that. But what I saw in summer league, I was hoping for a little bit more. And so 
that's me. That's my expectation. And what I don't want to do is I expected something. He didn't do what I expected. And therefore I'm right. And he's wrong. That's a, it's a real easy media thing to have happen. I have my own expectations. He doesn't live up to my expectations and therefore, well, I have to be correct and Romeo has to prove it to me. Uh, that's now that's my job as an analyst to, to set, I guess, expectations. People ask me the question, but I don't want to say just because of summer league, he didn't do what I thought he should do. That doesn't mean that he's not going to this preseason. Let's see what he does this preseason. But I've, I personally have teetered down into more negative on Romeo than positive. So I I've certainly adjusted my, my outlook to say that if he's not good this season, yeah, it's, it's done either change a scenery or something, but this is, this is the season to figure it out for, for Romeo Lankford provided that he's healthy and, you know, and again, I have to stress, he did not re injure himself last season. He got COVID. He did not re injure himself last season. It's a very important distinction to make with Romeo Lankford because we, we want to paint him as injury prone. He did not suffer a new injury last season. That is a fact. He came back from a, a wrist surgery from the prior season. He caught COVID, but he did not suffer a new injury. So that just to make sure the record is straight. So we'll leave it at that for there. Um, so Neesmith, Pritchard are going to be the two young guys that are going to step up. And then, you know, I think that answers all of uh, Hernando's questions. And I think that's going to be a great time for me to say I'm going to come back with an answer about the 1986 team and how something that Bill Walton said might apply, might apply to this team. That's coming up after I tell you about betonline.ag, your home for all the pro college football, everything you need to bet on, all of your sports action here. We know football is back. We had Patriots news, you know, Cam Newton's out, uh, Mac Jones is in. So maybe that impacts how you want to lay some money down at Bet Online. Uh, check them out. They've got the online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest, the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Head on over, sign up, get a 100% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. Sign up, use the promo code locked on, whatever your first deposit is, they'll match it. Also, if you use the promo code NFL100, You'll get a basically free bet. It'll be refunded up to 25 bucks if you lose when you bet on the opening Bucks versus Cowboys game. Whatever you want to play, whatever sports you want to get out and, and bet on, or your favorite Vegas casino games, it's all there at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Today's podcast also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and then you're stealing uh, another person's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle in a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Com content varies by package. 
Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Hope you're checking out the Locked On NBA podcast, which I host on Wednesdays. On Fridays, it's Nick Angston of Locked On Mavericks, Adam Marez of Locked On Nuggets. They power rank the week that was in the NBA, so check them out Fridays on the Locked On NBA feed. Let's get back to the questions here from Adam, who says, one of the things that Bill Walton talks about that made the 86 Celtics special was the competition between the green team and white team uh, with him leading the bench against the starters. The current roster seems like you could run two really competitive teams in practice. Vet five versus young five would be fun. What five-on-five combinations do you think will push the team the most in practice? Can that kind of internal competition help the team overachieve this year? Well, let's, let's just say that they're, they're not scrimmaging a ton. They're not scrimmaging as much as they used to. And there's no type of Hall of Fame guy like Bill Walton, even though he's at the end of his career um, leading that team. But clearly, I think Al Horford's going to be the linchpin there. Let's assume that Josh Richardson is the fifth starter. And we're going smart Richardson, Tatum, Brown, and Robert Williams. So you're going probably Schroeder, Horford, Neesmith, um, Jeez, who else were we putting out there? Um, so let, let me say this. Considering that I'm a little stuck on how I want to put this together, tells you already that we're not doing Vet 5 versus Young 5 unless you're switching Jalen Brown or somebody to the bench, um, which would be fun, but if we're doing starters versus Young guys and it's Schroeder, Horford, um, Neesmith, Pritchard, and then, I don't know, Grant Williams? That, that I mean, that team's going to get destroyed, demolished, demolished. If you want to do by age, then maybe you could do something different, but uh, I don't see I don't see it quite the same, that green team versus white team. Like, the, the Celtics' depth is nice this season, but, uh, I mean... I, I I just I don't see a bench unit that can push the starters. If you want to go with um, maybe the guys who are under twenty five versus over twenty five, then you still have the problem is you still have Jalen and Jason on the same team, and that's that's just gonna tilt things one way. You got to have Tatum and Brown against one another. You got to split those teams. If you want to have a scrimmage between the Celtics that's competitive, then Smart and Schroeder are on opposite sides. Tatum and Brown are on opposite sides. Richardson and Neesmith are on opposite sides. Um, Horford and and Robert Williams are on opposite sides. Uh, You go Pritchard and maybe Langford. You've got to split it up that way, which would be fun, but that doesn't accomplish anything that we're looking at in the 1986 team. That 86 team had a bench unit led by Bill Walton and, and a guy, he's a guy that would, he, he had a hall of fame career. Like if he wasn't hurt, we'd be talking about him in terms of one of the greatest centers ever. And he's still discussing those terms, but I, I, I don't, he, he's not in the top like two or three. If he was never hurt, Trust me, Bill Walton would be in that conversation. People would be like, Walton, Kareem, Wilt, Shaq, like, you know, uh, Dream. Like, that, that 
he'd be in that conversation. So that certain mentality that, that ran and, you know, 80, you had Danny Ainge coming off the bench. Uh, there, there were, there were players coming off the bench that they were deep that you could, you could push the other team. Now, one team had Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and the others didn't. And that certainly changed the dynamic, but I just don't see that exact same dynamic here on this current iteration of the Celtics. And and frankly, I don't know that in today's NBA that's possible because in 86, I forget how many teams there were in 86, but I think there were 24. So we're, there's six more teams, which means 15 guys per team. So that's, what's that? Six, 90, 90 extra guys. That's 90 guys that would be out of the current NBA. So you take the worst 90 guys off of that. And you, you, now we're talking about teams with three stars on them. That's why those teams were so stacked back then. There were fewer, there were fewer jobs available. The rosters weren't as big either. So there were even fewer jobs. So we're talking about maybe a hundred and, you know, hundred plus 115, 120 jobs that you can, well, let's take another, yeah, like 115 or so players out of that league that out of this league to, to get to that league. Imagine taking 115 of the worst players of the NBA right now and then divvying up the rest of those guys amongst 24 teams. That's this league would be just as stacked as that league. So important distinctions there and why that team was able to have such great five on five competitions because top to bottom, they were just better. And that's just does that doesn't exist on this, on this kind of, um, on this, on this year's team. Julian asks, uh, with this season's schedule being condensed, we'll need our depth more than ever. And do you see a possible diamond in the rough in Jabari Parker to emerge as a potential spark plug and or a small ball for five off the bench? I know his injury history really hasn't let him see the floor, but with, with Udoka's guidance and a bit of help from the coaching staff, he could really become a big body you can throw out there just to defend and get buckets. Wondering if you're as high on him as me. I am not, Julian. Sorry. I'm not, uh, I just, Jabari Parker has his moments. Um, he is still young. He's still 27, 28, uh, can still score from time to time, but I certainly not going to have him go out there and defend. He's not going to defend anybody. That's, he's just not going to, um, he may make the roster. I, I don't know the, the Celtics don't have a power forward and he's a guy that they can keep on the bench and say, Hey, maybe maybe it'll be good to throw him out there from time to time. And you can, you can probably wave Dunn and Carson Edwards and maybe Bruno Fernando to get down to 14 and you can keep Jabari Parker, even though he'd be, it'd be easy to wave him and save some money. But if you can get rid of all those guys for nothing and keep him at the end of the bench, then that's fine, but I'm not high on him at all. I don't expect anything at all. I certainly won't call it, call him a, a diamond in the rough. I just don't see it. I mean, not saying that he can't be, but I just don't see it at all. I, I don't know how. After all this time, Jabari is is who he is, I think. He just there, There's been no marked improvement from him. He will give you some games. Like last year, he had one or two games where you're like, oh, Jabari was good. And then he'll have a few games. You're just like, oh my God, 
what is wrong? No, get him off the floor. So that's what I expect. I expect him to have a couple of good games and a couple of bad ones. And that's it. Coming back next to explain some stuff. I'm going to explain contracts, why the Celtics are in a, a financial position that maybe a team like the Brooklyn Nets aren't and why the Nets can keep signing guys. I will explain that next. First, I got to tell you about Rock Auto, which is the place to go when you need anything for your car, truck, motorcycle, RV, camper, all of that stuff. Head on over to Rock Auto because you know that chain store at that strip mall doesn't have the capacity to stock everything for every car, every make and model out there. They just can't. Save yourself the time, save yourself the hassle. Instead of telling that person behind the counter all of stuff that your car is, just plug that into rockauto.com, whether it's complicated as a piece of your engine or simple like wipers or a floor mat. It is all there. You're going to save a ton of money. I've talked to people who have saved hundreds of dollars on car parts. So whatever your needs are, rockauto.com, a family business that's been serving auto parts customers for more than 20 years, will make sure you get the best deal out there. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you do buy something, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That's how they know we sent you. That's the only way they know. So make sure you're writing locked on in their how did you hear about us box. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Take some of the money you save there. Go to built.com to check out all of the great built bar protein bar flavors that are out there. Built bars are amazing, delicious. They taste like a candy bar, but they are a healthy protein bar. All of those different flavors that you see, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, German chocolate, cookies and cream. You're going to get 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180 per bar, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So it's tasty and healthy. They're the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15. Get in the sorted box, just get one. Try it out. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors and pick them out. Use that promo code LOCK15 again every time you go. Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Hey, with football starting up, MLB season winding down, basketball around the corner, you need to get up to date on all of your sports. And so you want to subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast. 20 minutes, you're going to get up to date on all the big headlines around the sports world. Peter Burkowski has, does a great job with that. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the mailbag. Let's wrap it up here with a question from Nate who says, from what I heard about Jason Tatum trying to have Beal come to Boston, what do you think would be a good fit, Lillard or Beal? I'm going Bradley Beal if those are the two choices. He's younger. He's still, I think, very dynamic. Obviously, Damian Lillard, you know, Dame time, clutch guy, all of that stuff. Not selling him short at all. I just think Beal is younger. He's in his prime. If you're going to make that deal, if you're going to trade for somebody, get somebody that you're going to sign long-term that is young enough to be good throughout the duration of that contract. 
You know, you're, you're signing him into his 31, 32 years old. Well, that's already where, where Lillard is. So uh, I, I just think that Beal would be the better choice. Let's see what the Celtics do. Um, I've already talked about that. If you missed my explanation of why Beal would fit, I talked about that in the podcast, the last podcast with Chad Finn, the Jalen Brown pod- podcast with, with uh, Chad Finn of the Boston Globe. Narv asks, uh, I understand from you and your guests that if the C's go for a third superstar, every other team on the every other player on the roster would have to be a minimum or a veteran minimum contract, which is you know basically right. Uh, what I don't understand is how the Nets managed to have Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, Patty Mills. Uh, similarly, how the Sixers can have three max or near max guys, plus also have Danny Green and Seth Curry. So it's just a matter of the situation, right? Who did you draft? Do you have assets to trade for somebody? Have you created cap space at any point during this, this process? Uh, look, let's look at Brooklyn. So they, they had Joe Harris. Joe Harris was a second-round pick. He was in Cleveland. He got traded. He got waived. Brooklyn picked him up. Boom, it clicked. So they already had him. They had cap space after you know, basically tanking, they had the cap space to sign uh, Durant, to sign Kyrie, and to sign DeAndre Jordan. So they signed all those three guys with, with cap space. Joe Harris is already there. He's already part of the team. Then they had young guys that they were able to trade for um, James Harden. And then you have things like the mid-level exception. Every year you have a mid-level exception. Exception. The hard cap that hurt the Celtics last season was because they gave Tristan Thompson the entire mid-level exception, nine plus million dollars. That hard caps you. When a team does that, that's a hard cap. When they use the taxpayer mid-level, you're not hard capped. So it doesn't matter how much salary you have out there, right? And and the hard cap doesn't stay for the duration of the contract. The hard cap is, is just year to year. Have you done anything that triggers the hard cap? Have you used the full mid-level? Have you acquired somebody in a sign-and-trade? You can send somebody out in a sign-and-trade. That's fine. Bringing somebody in in a sign-and-trade hard caps you. Have you used the biannual exception? I think there might be one or two other things. But have you triggered for that season the hard cap? If you have not, then it doesn't matter how much money. It doesn't matter that you're over that line. It only matters if you're over that line if you have done something to trigger the hard cap for that season. And it only lasts for that season. The next season that's gone, you have to trigger it again. So the Nets pay a ton of money, but they paid Patty Mills the taxpayer mid-level. So that, that is there to allow teams who are over the cap to bring in somebody worth you know, something that's not just minimum contracts. So let's look at Philly. Philly drafted Embiid, drafted Simmons. They traded for Tobias Harris. They traded for Seth Curry. They signed Danny Green to a mid-level deal. And if they weren't under the hard cap or or if they triggered the hard cap, but they were far enough under where it didn't matter for that season, then that's fine. So it's just a matter of, and then look, they, they're going to bring in LaMarcus Aldridge. They're bringing in, uh, who did they just sign? Uh, was it Derek Favors? Uh, 
they're they're bringing in guys on veteran minimum deals. There there are all of these mechanisms as long as you're willing to pay the tax. The tax line is there to prevent this, and if teams are willing to pay the tax, then that's that's the last line of defense, right? The Celtics because Tatum is under contract, Brown is under contract, and in why they were in that position if they signed the third superstar, when we were talking about the Celtics signing a third superstar, they will have used all of their cap space. And then the only way they could have added players after that would be a mid-level person. And then that was it. That's the only thing they had left. And then the rest would have to be a bunch of minimum contracts, right? Whoever they could keep, they could keep. But it, it also depends on who do you have under contract already? Right, the Celtics didn't have at that point when we were talking about it. Smart was not under contract. Robert Williams not under contract. Okay, so now circumstances have changed. There is no way to sign a player for a third superstar. So how else can they get that player? They can trade for that player, and then some of these players go out. The third superstar comes in, and then if they do that this year by the trade deadline, then they can go out next year. They'll have the tax pyramid level again. They'll have veteran minimums. They'll have, you know, whatever trade exceptions that they have. They can they can acquire players that way. And so long as they don't trigger the hard cap, they can go as high as they want, as long as they're willing to pay the tax. And then if they, over the summer, acquire a third star via sign-in trade, now you've triggered the hard cap. Now you have a very different method for filling out your roster. And that has to be minimum contracts. And the thing to remember about minimum contracts, I'm spinning a lot of information out there. The thing to remember about minimum contracts, the NBA reimburses half of that. So the 2.6 million that Rondo signed for in, in LA is really 1.3 on the on the salary cap sheet. So it's, and I'm just gonna confirm that real quick. Um, but they they count for a, a lot less. Okay, it's not 1.3. Three, it's 1.6. So, but the league reimburses a big chunk of whatever the percentage is of a minimum deal. So minimum deals be huge when you're in a hard cap situation and you're trying to fill out your roster. You know, it's just a matter of who do the Celtics still have under contract? Where can they get the extra help? And finding the minimum guys that will count for less than their actual number, uh, on the on the cap. I mean, you look at what the what the Lakers have done. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys on the same minimum deal: Malik Monk, Rajon Rondo, Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, that's what the Lakers are doing is what the Celtics would have had to do. So, different teams, different scenarios. Different things that they have, different different methods. Just a matter of how much cap space you've created, what trades you can make, and then how you acquire these players, what things that you've used. It's not easy. It's complicated. It's really, really complicated. That's why, and I don't, I'm, I'm hoping that everything I just said, you're like, wow, John really knows what he's talking about. The thing is, I kind of do, but... There are every time I do something cap wise, I have to go back and make sure that I get that right because it's so complicated. And 
my understanding of it is so basic that there are people who manipulate the, the salary cap and the collective bargaining agreement and think of things I wouldn't even dream of thinking of. So it's just crazy. It's so hard to understand. It's so convoluted. I understand, Narv, why you would ask this question because even after I explained it, it's hard to understand. But just please know that different things trigger the hard cap, different things trigger different scenarios, and two teams can be can look like they have the same payrolls but be in extraordinarily different circumstances. So, yeah. Pete wants to ask, and we'll wrap up with this, can we debate retiring 44 at some point? Well, we can debate it. Um, I, I'm going to say that it doesn't get retired, but uh, I can see the argument for Danny Ainge as a player coming in, helping win a title, uh, playing extraordinarily well while he was here, and then coming in as a um, an executive and, and building a champion there and serving the Celtics well for about two decades. And, uh, I mean, I think he deserves some sort of honor. I'm not inclined to retire his number simply because what he did as a player is not worthy of it. And I know the Celtics have a precedent. They retired number one for Walter Brown. They retired number two for Red Arback. Um, I, I would love to see, actually, those numbers go back into circulation. And you can do something different for Walter Brown and Red Arback. Th- those were never players. I, like, I, I, I believe in the history of this franchise. Obviously, I wrote a book about the history of this franchise. I, I, I think it's amazing. But also, let's be realistic about some things here, right? And so, you want to honor Danny Ainge? They they should create like some sort of Ring of Honor thing or some some Celtics Hall of Fame like the Patriots do with their Hall of Fame. I, I can I totally understand having something like that. Um, reserve the number of retirements, especially from now on, for the truly truly special of the Celtics elite and Kevin Garnett, like barely to me, barely qualifies, but I understand I can, I can make the argument for it. Uh, that's even he barely played enough where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if we should be taking another number out of circulation, but KG is just such a different animal that for him. Yeah. For him, because he's him. He gets the number retired because of every the culture change, because of all of the intangibles. Because if you just look at the numbers that he put up while he was in Boston, you're like, okay, they, they were good, but is that worthy of a number of retirement? It's, it's, I think even KGs might have been up for a little bit of debate. I'm on the pro, by the way, before even anybody even says anything. I'm on the pro retire KG. I think it absolutely, but I can see the debate even there. For for Danny, you gotta iron, you gotta honor him differently. So we'll leave it at that. Certainly, some debate. I that's my side of it. There's another side of it for sure. And if you want to leave a comment under the YouTube channel, the YouTube video, please let's let's have that debate. We can do that. Um, or you can 
tweet at me at Reds Army underscore John and tell me that you agree or disagree or whatever. Uh, plenty of people do that. So uh, again, another mailbag. I'm splitting these up. I'm doing two a week now, especially since the news has died down. I'll do another one on Tuesday. And uh, just if you want to ask a question, johncorrales.com slash mailbag. Send a question in. And uh, I'll just keep rolling through these as the, the offseason rolls on. So please subscribe wherever you, you can get your podcast or subscribe to the YouTube channel. A lot of people doing that right now. Uh, and uh, share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody that they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.